Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KX and O. Ken Miller, Trent Condon for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Uh, and thanks for giving us some of that time here uh, this morning into the afternoon. BMW Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. Busy morning. Matt Rudy, uh, who was at the U.S. Open uh, for, uh, for Golf Digest, who employs him, uh, will join us. We'll recap the U.S. Open. Uh, a, I don't know, Wyndham Clark, certainly, I thought a satisfying win. Uh, was rooting for, uh, for Ricky, but, um, but certainly don't mind the Wyndham Clark story one little bit. So we'll recap the weekend. Uh, with uh, Matt Rudy coming up here at 1125. Then Nick Gosen will give us the latest on Iowa State sports. Guessing he'll answer the phone when we call him at 1145 this morning. Nick Gosen uh, from 247sportscyclonealert.com. Matt Rudy, or Matt Snyder, rather, our second Matt of the day, will join us at 1205cbssports.com. We'll do baseball, Major League Baseball. A couple of, um, I didn't see that coming, sweeps. Cincinnati over the Astros, uh-huh. Giants over the Dodgers. Boy, your bet on the Reds looks better and better. Uh, and so we'll talk baseball with Matt Snyder as the Reds begin play today, just a half game out of the league in the Central Division of the National League. And then Scott Dockerman will wrap things up uh, from the Athletic before Trent gives his plays of the day. Those come about 10 minutes before the hour of 1 o'clock. How are you? Welcome back. Good to have you back. Happy belated Father's Day to you. How are you? Thank you. Um, crappy Friday. Yeah, well. Awful awful end to the week. Uh, mm-hmm. Good to be with the kids over the weekend. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just want to say to our audience, um, after dealing with what me and my friends and one of my best friends' families have dealt with, mm-hmm. there are people there. Yep. And if you're struggling reach in out. any capacity, reach out. Yep. It doesn't have to be a friend. There are professionals. Mm -hmm. There are ways. Mm -hmm. And as bad as you think it is, it's not as bad as what your family is going to have to deal with. That's for sure. 100% Trent. So I'm glad you brought it up. I I am because I think that uh, we have an opportunity to to express those words. And, and, And you know what? If it... If one person gets it, mm-hmm. if it if one if it sinks in with one person, or you know you think you know someone who's struggling and on the verge of suicide, because it's just as you experienced it firsthand with your buddies. I mean, for God's sakes, um, I'm glad you brought it up. It was uh, we have a big group of friends, mm-hmm. and one of the rarities of our group, even as we're now in deep into our forties is the closeness that we have as a friend group and the relationships. Yeah, you grow apart. Yes. Uh And one thing, and and one of my best friends, Jace, for people that listen to Lockdown Hawkeyes, he's the co-host that jumps on me during football and basketball season a couple of times. And he is the ringleader. He's the guy that keeps us all together. And credit to him and credit what he's doing with the family that lost their dad Mm -hmm. um, because he is an incredible person. And we lost a pretty incredible person. But... Mm -hmm. You just don't know. Our big group of, uh, there's 18 of us now on this text thread, and a number of them reaching out and talking about their own mental health issues that they have had and went through, and people that I would never imagine, people that have, on the surface, wonderful lives and things, how could it be going wrong? You just never know. And there's so many people that struggle with it. Do something, make the call, and for people that don't have that, 
Make the call to a friend. Mm-hmm. Make a call. Reach out. Somebody again. To listen. Absolutely. Yep. Know those people are out there, and and all those relationships that you had, reemerge with those relationships because it's incredibly important. You, uh, no question. You can help put, save. I mean, I just I was thinking about it yesterday. It's Father's Day. Yeah. Oh, his children. Mm-hmm. Two days after the funeral, boom! Here's Father's Day, and. Uh, it had to be incredibly difficult for you, uh, incredibly difficult for you and your friends, and of course now the family that's uh, that's been left behind. So uh, I'm glad you took a minute to yeah. uh, to say that. Anyways, back to playtime. Yes, guess, absolutely. Right? And let's get back into the playground of life. And, right. and I'm definitely ready to go there after this past weekend. I'll, I'll tell you, the U.S. Open, it didn't quite work for me. I wanted to love it. Yeah. I wanted what to. What did you like about it? Maybe it was there's the nobody there. That that is a part. I mean, there was just the excitement. You go back to the PGA and when Michael Block hits mm-hmm. the hole in one, mm-hmm. and the excitement, just the sheer volume of that shot. Because the they limited people that could go to the car. They only had forty five hundred general admission tickets available, and it just felt. Yeah, off. I agree. It I agree. Didn't, the roar was it was a murmur, right? Absolutely. You know, outside of when. There's a little leak in oil there from Wind and yeah, Clark. coming down the stretch. That Knees were shaking. about the only mm-hmm. time that we even got more than that murmur yeah. that you said. It just it felt like Chambers Bay. Obviously a different look to yeah. the course compared to Chambers Bay. It was just hideous looking. But this one, it didn't have the feel of a U.S. Open. No, you know, there's a couple of things that stuck out to me. How much better CBS is it called? Oh, it is. That That is point number one, uh-huh. and there is a big gap because... The difference between the, mm-hmm. and I like Dean Hicks. I, I do too. I think he does a good job. Uh-huh. Zinger sucks. Zinger was bad. Zinger had a bad day yesterday. <laughs> He's got a lot of bad. Days. He He's did. just not very good at it. No, he was. It was not a good day for Paul Azinger. <laughs> and this is your guy. Here's what I will say though. Here's what I did like about it. Um, and and I think there should be not a rule, an actual law that either the PGA or the U.S. Open on a yearly basis, one of them has to be played in the Pacific Time Zone. Yes, because there is nothing. Like a sitting in your living room in the middle of June and watching prime time golf. That's part one. Yes. Whoever Wyndham Clark's sponsor um, person is, whoever, I don't know, he's, uh, Wyndham Clark can't be in charge of the logo on his own shirts, but whoever is should be fired because Wyndham Clark was on TV all night, right? All night. He's the leader in the tournament. Who sponsors him? You couldn't tell. You couldn't read white on light blue on baby blue. Yep. What a what a what an absolute egregious error that is. I have no idea who it is. Um, not the biggest takeaway, but just something that stuck with me. Like, oh my God, do your job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about not getting your money's worth. A, they sponsored a guy named Wyndham Clark that nobody had heard of, so you took a chance on the kid, uh-huh. and then you blew your opportunity. And maybe I was just mad because Wyndham Clark was on my card. Oh, you didn't bet him. Top 20. Oh, mm-hmm. no. So he was part- But that still had to be a decent price. Because oh, was. wasn't he like 80 to 1 before the tournament? Yeah, he was. He was. I think Cirque had him 85 to 1, something yeah. like that. He uh, he was a guy that, when I was cutting it down- he So was why still did you like him? Because of he's playing well recently? Oh, yeah. He yeah. has played so well. And because we've seen first-timers win U.S. Open, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have him involved. And But I didn't even take a top 10. Didn't, of course, have a ticket for him to win. Mm-hmm. Just had a top 20, which was like plus 235 or something like that. It was fine. Yeah. But what could have But you left money on the table. Absolutely. Uh, f- felt like, uh, I mean, I was rooting for Ricky Fowler. And I said, You're not to, alone. Yeah. I mean, I said that to Rudy on Wednesday that this is the guy. Can he win? And, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, look for a while, like, but then it just, there was a point in Saturday's round where he, um, he messed up a shot and he, and he picked up his ball and he's cool, calm and collected. And he picked up his ball up to the cup and he, and he threw it up in the air and he kind of, you know, uh, shook his fist to, to, to catch it. And I thought, Oh boy, no, 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 no. Keep your composure. Uh-huh. And then the last couple of holes, they've three putted the last green yeah. on, uh, on Saturday and it, it carried over. Unfortunately, just couldn't get anything going on Sunday, but Clark was good. And Rory, he's just so damn consistent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you bet Rory McIlroy, you're going to get a run for your money seemingly every single major tournament. But the Sunday troubles show yeah. up again for Rory. And, and it was his butter. Yeah, this time it was uh-huh. the flat stick. Same thing with Scheffler. If he had that thing going, he might have run well, away he with He had it tournament. going on uh, while well, he chipped in on 17 on Saturday and made a nice putt on uh, 18 on, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, the, the big names, Harris English, he struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson had a quad over the weekend. Uh, no, he didn't. That was on Friday. Cameron Smith, who was really, you know, not, not feeling like he was anywhere. On, all of a sudden, he gets things going. He ties for fourth in the golf tournament. But uh, pretty good tournament overall. Uh, with pretty the good. Except, but it, yeah, I agree. It felt, instead of like a U.S. Open, though, it just felt like this was... I don't know. What like, I did the like Val, the Val Spar or something. Yeah, like that. I get it. That's that's not that's not unfair. What I did like about it is the scoring on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my god, this is gonna be somebody's gonna be twenty eight under and win this tournament. <laughs> uh, it kind of came back to the pack a little bit. Um, but look, Wyndham Clark, when you hear about the story, when you hear about it, you know, losing his mom and how close he and his brother was, and the first one out onto the green to greet him afterwards was his brother and sister. Yeah. You know, pretty close after going through losing a parent as, uh, as the Clarks would. But it was a satisfying win, I thought, uh, not knowing anything about the dude beforehand. Um, yep, you, did, you were left wanting more, certainly the crowds. Just, I mean, nobody there. And if uh, we have to wait again till 2039, that's the next time it's going no, back to LACC well, and hear about... You may have to. <laughs> hear about the marine lair. I, I, that will be just fine yeah, with me. I'm with you. Is that a big thing out of LA? Apparently so. Or just in that area. That and... Uh, I was so sick of hearing that term. Sunset Drive and what yes. does it mean? It is expensive real estate. billion dollar oh my God. piece of land there. Mm-hmm. And did you see how they pay taxes on that? No. So California passed a law years ago. And it was as just land and ownership and taxes were increasing at a ridiculous rate. There were older people that their houses paid off, but the houses were worth so much that they couldn't afford to pay the taxes on them anymore. Oh, my. So what they did is put in a law where basically your property tax only goes up 2%. That's a max that they have. Every year. Every year, if you own a property, you own a home, just because there were so many people that were falling in that category – a house that they you know, bought 40 years ago that was worth $250,000 is now worth $1.5 million. Right. Well, we can't afford to even pay the taxes on this thing when you have the new assessment that mm-hmm. comes out. Well, same thing here also for LACC. They pay like $200,000 a year in taxes on a $6 billion wow. piece of land Wow! right there in the middle of L.A. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty incredible. I I didn't hear that part of it, but uh, yeah, Zinger was awful. Uh, Dan Hicks is okay. Uh, Noah's okay. The on course reporter's okay, but it's just the difference between CBS and anybody else. Anybody that tries, um, Fox tried to at one point. Uh, didn't last very long. I like Joe Buck, but CBS is just better. I don't. I don't know if it's Nance. He's a big part of it. I, yeah. His hokiness bothers me at times, but mm-hmm. it's perfect for golf. more so in the in the Butler cabin. <laughs> yeah, right. That yeah. that's where that's. I can't watch it. Um, 
just because I feel bad for him that he has to, you know, swallow his pride and his humility. To, the times that he, there, you know what, already has something made up in his mind what he's going to say when the guy hits the putt. Yeah. It just feels very scripted. That bothers me from time to time. Uh-huh. That's why two weeks ago at the Canadian, that was well, so he great. worked in our anthem for crying out loud in the putt. <laughs> he did took a line out of O Canada and got a chance. You know that was because it wasn't that scripted moment that mm-hmm. we're so used to with Nance. But you're exactly right. The NBC coverage. Mm-hmm. It's getting, but it's not going to be better. I mean, yeah, they're they're not going to clean house. There's nothing no. like that. And I also heard that you know you see the shots too, and so many of those aerial shots that they had, it takes away the viewing of what that course actually is, and you know in the canyon and coming back up and things like that because they had so many overhead shots, you didn't actually get a look of what made when many people believed LACC such a good venue. Is NBC just they were not able to do it? They use shot tracer a lot. I think mm-hmm. they should use it every time. I do too. I, I think we're at the point you now that with the technology yeah. that you just have to use it every time. And there are missed shots. Uh, there was one where DJ was up on a hill, and uh, I think it was Azinger said, "Wait, I wonder how he got up there." Hey, NBC, you got the coverage. <laughs> you can show us how right. he got up there. Right? How about yeah. help? help if out your analyst is wondering, right. you don't think your audience is. <laughs> How'd he get up there? Who knows? <laughs> just miraculously appeared. Oh just joined the tournament at that part. Uh, let's get Jeff in here. Uh, if I can get the mouse to move. There we go. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Um, I don't know if I, what you guys were saying about the U.S. Open. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree, and maybe I, I heard you wrong at the beginning, but I thought the U.S. Open was uh, everything that I kind of wanted besides the scoring on Thursday. Yeah, they, you know, we had a couple guys shoot a 62, but you know, on Saturday with Fowler missing that putt on 18, yep. that that changed everything yep. going into Sunday. Um, Fowler 0 for 94, 0 for 96. I think everybody was kind of rooting for him. Mm-hmm. You had that going. Okay, you had the number one player in the world lurking. Mm-hmm. What else do you want there? You got the guy fighting for the PGA one back. What else do you want there? And then you had Wilden Clark, and maybe maybe you said this already or you didn't. He won Wells Fargo, so this guy wasn't a nobody. He just played against a I don't know, probably the best, one of the best uh, fields. I mean, it's the elevated, you know, PJ event. Won that recently. So we kind of had that expectation, kind of had, you know, the feel of winning a, a big tour event. I mean, U.S. Open, we all get it. It's, it's a major. Um, so you had all that going, going into Sunday. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm a huge Rory fan. And, yes, you guys brought up putting, but he had problems putting at the British Open last year mm. against Cam Smith. He would have won that major if he could have made any putts. Here's a little fun fact for you. Maybe this changed, but yesterday his longest putt was seven feet. Yeah, the one he hit on what's a seventeen or eighteen was his longest putt. What at that? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Before that putt was made, it was seven feet, and yeah. there was plenty of holes where nobody from the whole field on Sunday was getting in. You know, the thirty to forty range, and he's right there. You know, and a lot of these putts were not even lag putts. Um, and I know everybody wants to talk about um, Scotty from Tita Green is the best in the world. Right now, in my opinion, I think Rory from Tita Green is unbelievable. He just can't get the flat stick going. Mm-hmm. But for Will to, for Clark to, to win this tournament and what he's done in the last two, three months, you guys kind of touch base on sponsorship. But, man, his game and the way he bombs the ball and uh, I would say his swagger, that's, uh, I think, on – Saturday when he's you know he hits the ball and he's like come on and he twirls the club that's swagger we need that on tour it's a little bit of Brooks Kepka 
swagger. I, I, I'm very satisfied with him winning the golf tournament. That uh, the leaderboard was not my my problem with it. it. It wasn't at all, and the fact that it was in prime time. Look, I went into Sunday like you, Jeff, just rooting for Ricky Fowler. Wanted him to finally to break through, uh, and for the first 54 holes, it looked like you know what, maybe we're going to get that. But you're right. I thought that three putt on 18 uh, to to finish his round on Saturday kind of set him uh, in the wrong uh, in the wrong direction for Sunday. Fleetwood made a run. Smith was making a run. Scheffler and, and Rory are both hitting golf shots. And Wyndham Clark, yeah, he kind of bobbled a little bit, but he really didn't flinch. And that putt, that leg putt on 18, that's not easy. You know, you know, he got a two putt, uh, two putt to win the uh, the U.S. Open for crying out loud, and and he puts it within 12 inches. I mean, that was a brilliant, brilliant putt. Ken, let me end you on this uh, little fun fact. I know we all three of us love fun facts. Rory McIlroy hasn't won a major coming up on 10. Year, ridiculous a decade. Let yeah. that soak in and think about this. He was the heir apparent of Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, all the money from Nike. He won those majors quickly. The PGA, the U.S. Open, the British. He's won, you know, Masters away. I mean, shot an eighty on Sunday years back at the Masters, and he's let a lot slip away. But ten years since Rory's won a major, it's just mind blowing to me. It's been that long. But, but here, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the call. And here's the good news. He'll show up at the British Open and he'll be in the hunt. And one of these times he's going to break through. He's just like he said in his interview, following his round, look, I'm going to keep showing up. Yeah. You know, he's going to, he's, he's, he's too good not to win. It's too good. It's an anomaly. He will break through again. Um, fun tournament, fun tournament, coverage brutal. Loved it in <laughs> prime time. Just absolutely love prime time golf. Not a rule, a law. Right. <laughs> that either the U.S. Open or the PGA needs to be in prime time, in the Pacific time zone, so we can watch it. Trying to golf tournaments end at 9.30 at night. It was, it was perfect. Well, 2027, you will get it for the next that's U.S. The next, Open. That's the next time we go out there? U.S. Open will be at Pebble Beach in 2027. Is there a PGA? Is the PGA in, in uh, the Pacific time zone at all? Let's see. Future oh, PGA. Oh, fingers crossed, baby. Because they're not moving the Masters. Nope, nope, that is going to stay. <laughs> and they're not changing the clocks in the UK. Uh, not looking good. Uh, uh, let's see. Next year, Valhalla, which is a great course. Yeah, Louisville, uh, Qu- right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Quail Hollow after that, another great course. Uh, this one I do not know. In Pennsylvania, Aramanic. I don't know it. Uh, then they go to PGA Frisco in Frisco, Texas. 2028, though, PGA mm. will be at the Olympic Club in San Francisco. Not the great venue. Yeah, it is. That's but for sure. We're gonna have to wait a while. Twenty twenty seven for the U.S. Open. Twenty twenty eight for the PGA. I- I'm anxious to see the numbers when they come out because I mean, good for NBC. That's a big boost for NBC getting those prime timers on the weekend. You mentioned the West Coast, and we've seen good and bad out there. Mm-hmm. But what about the Mountain Time Zone? Is there some place in Denver that? No, there's the the golf course. Yes, there is. Um, they played the senior uh, Cherry Creek. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cherry Creek. Uh, That's it, been a really long nice. Time. It's been a long time. That's and the one in Colorado Springs. Okay. It starts with a a B. Okay. Oh, it's it's famous trend. They used to play a tournament with that Stableford scoring system there. Okay. Every yes. year. Yep. Uh, what the hell's the name of that place? Colorado Springs. Are you googling? I am right now. Let's does see. it start with a B? Did I get that? No, I don't know if it does or not. Uh these the last time that there has been a major hosted in Colorado would probably be Cherry Creek. It was Cherry Cherry Hills. Cherry Hills, okay. Uh, they've done it five of the six times. 1985 was the last time for huh. a PGA. Well, there was a senior open there because in 1990, I'm going to say two, I followed Jack Nicklaus, Lee Trevino, and Arnold Palmer. Whoa. Um, That's a three. Yeah, I'll there. say. 
Holy there crap. was and there was one other, and it was a practice round. It was a Wednesday round, and just the and they're firing, they're betting like crazy. Um, but so it was either ninety two or ninety three. What's the golf tournament? Pine, Pine Castle? No, 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 something, no. Not that, Pine uh, Castle, that Justin Ole was trying to help us out on that That one. might, that sounds close. In Colorado Springs? Colorado Springs. Bedminster! Bedminster. Is that it? Is that in no, Colorado Springs? No, it's not Springs? it, it's not no. it. That's not it. Now, let's see. Best Colorado Springs, not restaurants, we're looking for golf Golf courses. courses. All right. Let's the Stableford scoring system was in place there forever. Pine Creek. No, nope. the Broadmoor. The Broadmoor. The Broadmoor. There you go. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Boy, that looks like a venue. Whew. And it did have a B. Yeah, you could. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to myself partial half a point. Yeah, half a point for that yes. one. Miller and Condon, Matt Rudy next. Des Moines. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Station 106.net. Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station. It's 106.3 KXNO. I've got to take away the half a point I gave myself. Oh, no. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> it's Castle Pines at Castle Rocks, which is close to Colorado Springs, but it's it's Castle Pines okay. at Castle Rock. Uh, that's the one I was thinking. Well, I wasn't thinking of. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, thank you to the people that called in. And somebody else called in, and you know what? I think they're right. And I want to bring Matt Rudy on here. Okay. GolfDigest.com. Hello, Matt Rudy. Ken and Trent, thank you for finding time for us. I think the coverage missed Roger Maltby. Oh. Right? I think he did. How about you, Matt? Rudy, I missed Maltby yesterday. <laughs> I would like to say that I, I could give you an answer to that, but this is, sounds, like, sounds like a humble brag. But yeah, I know when you're, you're there. there. Yeah. When, you're, when you're there, you're, you're not <laughs> watching the coverage. In the media center, all, you're, all you see is a big video feed on a, the board, and then when you're out walking around, it's not the, the coverage we get is different than the TV coverage. So. In the broad sense, yes, Roger Maltby is a is a is a worthwhile addition, but I wouldn't be able to give you a specific critique of the coverage this past weekend. Yeah, enough. That is a humble brag. Uh, well done. You know what? What Trent and I were speaking. Uh, we don't want this to be a policy. We want this to be an actual law that either the U.S. Open or the PGA is play, played in the Pacific Time Zone because prime time golf. Oh my gosh, it was fun, Matt Rudy. Yeah, I think the they they pushed the envelope a little bit Saturday, and the the last group finished basically in the dark. And I don't know that. I mean, I, I think it's great to have primetime golf. I'm all for that, but I don't I don't think you should compromise. I, I, Ricky Fowler was wearing prescription sunglasses, right? And he played the last hole, and I mean, he couldn't just take them off. I mean, although I guess should he have had other prescription glasses stuck in his bag? I, you could make that argument, but but. Um, you know, kind of crashing in right as the the sun is literally disappearing. It might be a bridge too far. I, I like the the adjusted time zones. And, and, a, and a broader point, I think the U.S. Open 
every year should look dramatically different. It should be at a place like LA Country Club. It should be at a big kind of Parkland golf course like Bethpage. It should, you know, I think the the variety of area in the country and the variety of golf course, the the variety of of conditions, and I say that broadly, it should always be difficult, but you can do that different ways. Pinehurst is going to look completely different next year where the shaved areas around the green are what make it hard. And I like that a lot in the same, we talk about this every year, but in the same reason why we all love mm-hmm. the open championship, the, the variety is what makes that I think, exciting. I think Pinehurst next year, it'll be one of the Oakmont the year after that kind of the old reliables that we're used to back on the East coast. One other thing we were talking about, we were thinking about West coast venues, but even mountain time zone venues. And I can't believe for Colorado, the state, it's been since 1985 that Colorado's hosted a major. It was at Cherry Hills with the PGA. Is Cherry Hills just not a venue that can host a major championship anymore? What is it? Well, if, if L.A. Country Club could have one and if Marion could have one, I don't know if there's any, really. that the, the, the downside, and that's what we saw certainly on the grounds this week, I think there might have been five or 6,000 people on the golf course that were not, kind of corporate hospitality types mm-hmm. or members of LA country club. And it made for a wonderful viewing experience. If you had a kid and you wanted to walk right up by the ropes and see somebody playing in a national championship, that was, that was a positive. The downside is that there wasn't any kind of energy in yep. the crowd. There wasn't any, you know, the, 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 you know, when you see specifically the, the masters, you, when you, when amen corners happening and people are, you know, the, 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 the cheers go up around the golf course and reverberate across the property that's a big part of the momentum and the experience of major championship golf. I mean, there were a hundred thousand people at St. Andrews last year. Mm. And this, this felt much more, <laughs> we were joking about it. When you walk up, when you walked up 18, it literally looked like a member guest. You know, there, <laughs> there were some people on the patio, you know, really, really fancy clothes, kind of politely clapping. And, and it literally was a member guest. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, uh, is joining us as we uh, look back on the weekend, the U.S. Open. Well, as I told you on Wednesday, I'm rooting for Ricky Fowler and boy, oh boy, first three rounds of that tournament certainly got uh, uh, quite a quite a thrill, uh, you know, watching and, and hoping he finally break through. What happened in his round yesterday? Just really never got anything going. Three putted 18 on Saturday night and kind of carried over into the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, I have to give you credit. You 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 called that before the tournament and... And I think what happened over the course of the week was the microcosm of the conversation you and I had before the tournament, which is he's had quite a renaissance and he's playing much better, but it's been a good decade since we've seen peak Ricky Fowler. And, um, and even when we saw peak Ricky Fowler, he, he had not figured out quite yet how to close the deal on Sunday. And you saw an example of a guy closing the deal Mm-hmm. When you saw what Wyndham Wyndham Clark did, you know you 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 have to hit the shots and you have to um, you're going to make mistakes. And Wyndham Clark did that. He had a couple in that deep grass you know, around the green, but he, he didn't let a bogey kind of derail him for two or three or four holes in a row. You know you you're going to make bogeys at the U.S. Open. You you look for a way to to minimize the damage and you move on. And uh, I think that that skill, that bounce back skill, and that durability skill under pressure those are skills just like being able to hit great tee shots or just like being able to be a great wedge player or a great putter that's just one more tool and and ricky's got a lot of tools and and that's the one that's the final one and and to be fair that's the final one for a lot of players 
you know, where, where you just have to put it together. Look at Rory McIlroy. That guy hasn't won a major in 10 years. And, mm. you know, he's got a skill set that's unlike anybody's. But that, that piece where you just you need to make that one putt, that 10-footer for par or that 7-footer for birdie that's going to change the momentum, there's a skill to that. And some guys just don't have that right now. Talking with Matt Rudy as we take a look back at the U.S. Open. So the champion, Wyndham Clark, a guy that is kind of put it all together here at 29 years old, played very well on tour. He was down there, not certainly one of the heavy heads. Are we treading towards the belief that Wyndham Clark is going to be a Corey Pavin? He's going to be a guy like a Jeff Ogilvie, Michael Campbell? Or is this a guy with some staying power and he's going to be part of the conversation now going forward for the next few years? Well, he's got a tremendous amount of ball speed. He, he hits it plenty far. And, um, and when you watch him, he, he looks like, you know, he looks like Xander Shoffley. He looks like, you know, he looks like the, the, that category of younger, athletic, powerful players. And unlike some of the people we've just been mentioning, like Shoffley or like uh, Ricky Fowler, he's done the thing that you got to do to separate yourself. And then by winning the at, at the you know, the Wells Fargo last month, one of those big elevated events, he's proven this year. I mean, just like Scotty Scheffler did last year, that you know once once you do it and you and you confirm what you've been able to do by winning another big event, you know I, I think that's that's a, a sign of your arrival. Now, you know, winning some more that that's another thing, and Scheffler's a great example of that too. Now the the stakes are different and. It'll be interesting to see because when you go to majors now, now you're the person who's getting called to the interview room more often. Now you're the person who's got mm-hmm. more crowds watching you at the next tournament. And now there's some expectation that you that you do it again. And that's just another piece of the development. And, and uh, that, the cover story that I did with Scotty last you know, last month kind of talked about that, which was, um, okay, now that you've shown you've got the skills, what how does life change and what do you have to do to – to keep the accelerator pushed down and you know, there's more money, there's more attention. There's more people asking for your time. There's more, you know, you're fundamentally Scotty was telling me that his weeks are different. He just doesn't have the alone time or he doesn't have the time just to mess around on the driving range like he used to, because they're just, there's more things he's got to go do. And some players thrive on that and they keep going and some players struggle with it. They struggle with the attention. They struggle with the money. They struggle with all that. And, uh, I mean, that, that's the fun part of the sport is to see who grows and who uh, who stalls a little bit. And one of those guys that stalled a little bit is Justin Thomas. What a terrible weekend. That's back-to-back cuts he's missed. I think mm-hmm. the PGA, he, he made the cut, but finished towards the bottom of those that did. What's what's wrong with his game right now, Matt? Well, I mean, he, he after he shot 82 or whatever it was on Friday, he said that was the lowest he's ever felt on a golf course, and that's mm-hmm. That's tough. I mean, that, I mean, that, that, there's no way to sugarcoat that. And and I know we've talked a few times in the, in these previews that we've done on your show that the, the putting piece it puts so much pressure backwards on your game. And when you're not putting well, I mean, just just look at what happened to Scheffler, for example, this week. You know, we, we, you know, he had to jar one from the fairway on Saturday just to get some of that momentum that his putter couldn't produce for him, but. When it's when it's putting pressure on your short game and putting pressure on your iron play and putting you know, which which then goes backwards and puts pressure on your driving game, you know if you're not hitting it in the fairway, you can't hit it close enough to take pressure off the the struggles you're having with the putter, and then it all kind of crumbles. And you know he's got the added complication, and, and I don't know if that's a fair word to use, but his dad is his coach, 
So if mm. things are, are going sideways, <laughs> yeah. what, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that relationship? I'm sure, I'm sure they have a, a mature way to do it, but it's different than having a, a, a standard coach that you can, you can think about making a change or, you, you know, th- th- it's just a different kind of conversation to have. And I wonder if that's going to manifest in any kind of change there. Xander's 29. Cantley's 31. Are we getting to concerning point with either of those guys? Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's a hard question to answer because we've been so spoiled lately. You know, the or when I say lately, call it Tiger Woods. And then after that, the 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 model used to be closer to what Phil Mickelson did, and then now you have Brooks Kepka, for example, who has the same major championship profile that Phil Mickelson does. And he's done all of it before Phil at you know, at the age where before Phil had won any of his majors. Mm-hmm. So I think the profile used to be that you grew into your PGA to career in your late twenties and in your in your thirties. That was the 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 meat of your major winning time. But I mean, Jordan Spieth came out and immediately won majors. Rory McIlroy came out and immediately won majors. And Brooks Koepka came out and immediately won majors. And and that's kind of changed the conversation a little bit, but, but what really needs to be reinforced is that winning majors is hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, historically speaking, you know, if you win two of them in your career or three of them, that's a, that's a hall of fame caliber career winning two or three majors. So mm. it's hard for me to be super hard on someone like Shoffley or Cantley not having won one yet, or, or saying, for example, that, uh, you know, they should be winning them at a pace that Kepka's winning them. What Kepka's doing is, you know, if he if he keeps his trend through his career, you're talking about one of the five or six best players of all time in terms of winning majors. That's that's a high bar. I would think of it more in terms of Zach Johnson or you know someone someone who's won two or three majors. That that's probably a better barometer to look at and to, to and try to determine if someone's ahead or behind. Did you? Uh, I don't know if where, where you were when uh, when Gordon Sargent was finishing up his round on eighteen. Did you see that? I mean, I've never seen that before. Matt, a one foot putt, and he's not like he, you know, he killed it. It was it was was perfect speed, and it bounced out. How did that happen? It's crazy, and the 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 problem that the USGA has in general is that people. When I say people, I mean players and caddies don't believe that they run tournaments as professionally or as well as the tour does. The, the, the people that set up tour events, they set up 35 events a year. They know how to get the details right. They know how to get the golf course to play the way they want it to play in a given week, whereas the USGA is setting up a tournament like this once a year. And I don't know if you could blame the USGA completely for that. What they said was that in the previous group, when a caddy pulled the flag stick, uh. it pulled the lining of the cup up toward the, you know, toward the top of the hole, and that's what caused it. But if you're talking about uh, you know, a, a multi, multi, multi-million dollar national championship where every detail should be scrutinized, that should be something that somebody sees. It should be somebody's job to pay attention to that and fix it. To me, that's no different than if, if you kicked an extra point in the Super Bowl and for some reason the ball bonked off the the, the upright and it bent the upright i don't think you'd play the rest of the super bowl and just leave the upright right. bent. <laughs> yeah. i think that's just a that's a detail that's too important to leave to chance and everyone said the same thing was can you imagine if that oh. happened if the next to last group did that and then you know <laughs> you've got Wyndham clark who has to tap in to win the right and the ball bounces off the bottom of the cup and comes out again i mean you just can't have that 
So looking forward, a month away, we will get the Open Championship, the British, and this year at Royal Liverpool, the last year it was there, Rory. Mm. the Clara Jug at that time. So a peek ahead, weather always a factor here. What can we kind of start to preview as we get ready for a month away? Man, it was interesting to watch. I spent time with, for the most part this week, with Scotty Scheffler and with Rory. And the Rory piece is so interesting because the, the live stuff was very, I think it's been very deflating for him. You know, to be the mouthpiece for all mm-hmm. this, and to answer all those questions and have this deal happen, he was very different this week in terms of how much he spoke. And um, the, the one piece of optimism I heard from him after after finishing, he has a great, you know, he's got he's got great muscle memory, so to speak, for Liverpool. And it's a course that demands really precision uh, off the tee work. It's not all drivers, obviously, but. He had so many great shots going this week. He's hitting five. He has a five wood that he hits 295 yards straight up in the, I mean, I can't even believe how high he hits it. And that's not so much specifically a shot you need at Liverpool, but it's, it's, it's representative of the kinds of shots you're going to need to see people play, which is, you know, he's got this, this hard cut four iron that he can hit. And he's got this five wood he can hit and he's just bombing his driver 385. Um, I, I think, and he put it himself, I just keep putting myself in these positions and I know that you know, one day it's going to go my way. And he's right. If, if Wyndham Clark doesn't recover from some of those mistakes that he made, I mean, Roy played a, a pretty good round. He couldn't make anything. And, you know, some days you need to go win them and some days players are going to give them to you. And, and that that's the frame for me. Rory McIlroy is the best story at the Open Championship. And, and if he can finally break this, this 10-year drought. And we'll preview it with you, Matt Rudy, uh, and we sure appreciate the relationship as we do each and every year. Thanks for doing this, Matt. Glad you got back home safely, uh, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you in about four weeks. That's Matt. Thank you, Matt Rudy. Golf Digest yeah. on Twitter, yeah. at Rudy Ryder with a W. Uh, thanks, Matt. Good to talk to you. Matt uh, Rudy from Golf Digest. Okay. Rory finished 17 under that tournament. Did he really? He was 16 What year did you say? 2001? 2013. 13? Or 14, excuse me. 2014. Okay. Is that his last major win? I believe it was. Oof. Been a decade, so. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. Rory uh, coasted in and won by two, 17 under. Ricky Fowler was in second, 15 <laughs> under, along with Sergio Furick, Mark Leisman, uh, Adam Scott, your top five there. So I have tickets for this event. I won the lottery. Oh, I remember you saying that. That's and we right. Just, we, we couldn't make it happen this year. So what do you do with your tickets? Well, I put them up on this European-based StubHub for over yeah, there yeah, yeah. kind of place. I haven't got any bites yet. Might have to lower the price a little bit. thought maybe at least make a couple of bucks out of it. But <laughs> Why not? You won the lottery. I know. Won, yeah, two adult tickets, two kid tickets, and just couldn't make it work. And the kid's still probably a little too young. So do you this. actually have the tickets? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're actual tickets? Well, they're the PDF. That okay, you get gotcha. yeah, from from the uh, Royal blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I have the tickets and now they're up and we'll see. Hey, if anybody's going over there but doesn't have tickets, reach out to me. i hook you up. I'm having flashbacks, dude. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're not going down that road. Absolutely not. I join the Masters every year. I know you I do. get in the lottery. <laughs> that one, well, it's a little easier. Yeah. You can Apparently. Find, to get to Georgia as opposed right. to across the pond. 
with the family. Right. A little bit more. That's one where you could sneak away for a couple of days. Can't exactly do that over in England. Nick Olson joins us next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.06. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Let's get right to our friend Nick Olson, 24-7 Sports. CycloneAlert.com, another commitment uh, coming into Iowa State, a Big 12 coach that, I mean, I think he's probably reached the end of the line. Huggins get another chance, DC? Oh, it doesn't feel like With it's certainly right back-to-back now. back-to-back incidents? Yeah. And he's 69 years old. Right. You know, I mean, 59, okay, maybe, but I, I don't know. Nick Olson joins us. Nick, uh, camp season officially over now? Yeah, definitely, guys. You know, that type of uh, prospect camp has been wrapped up, and the focus is really shifting to these official visits, which I'm sure we will touch on. And then the guys get, you know, a little bit of a, of a break for some uh, some people within the organization. And then they're already into fall camp here in just over a month. One uh, quick note away from Iowa State, and that's Jake Peters, offensive lineman from up in Cedar Falls. He commits to Nebraska, but... Just surprising because you're used to Nebraska being involved with some of the top-end prospects. Not rated very highly for you guys over there at 24-7. What do you know about Jake Peters? And I guess, did you see anything why Nebraska got involved when it's kind of some mid-majors that uh, were after him at that point? Yeah, Trent, so I would say a couple things with Jake Peters. Uh, I've actually seen him live two or three times now. I went to a couple workouts of his like in group settings with like Jack Limbaugh and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, kind of within the state, and then he camped at Iowa State as well. I think he's probably due for a little bit of a bump. I think that he is a really solid player. And on the Nebraska side of things, you'll notice with, like, the Jack Limbaugh offer, and now I'm sure you saw Alex Mansky picking up an offer. I think they're trying to, you know, kind of explore and recruit Iowa a little bit more because there is kind of this really impressive increase and abundance of talent at least the last three or four years from what I've seen, I think that's a solid pickup for Nebraska and a really good opportunity uh, for Peters that, you know, obviously a Power 5 program. Hmm. Let's talk about uh, Iowa State's uh, commitment and Dylan Lee, a uh, kid out of Arizona, running back from Arizona. Good size, big kid, already 6'1", over two bills. What do, you, what do we know about him? Yeah, Ken, it's funny. I spoke with Dylan a lot throughout this, just kind of last couple months as things, progressed quickly with the cyclone sometimes you just get a feeling that somebody's high on iowa state and could be a great fit i think this is one of those matchups i think dylan lee is going to fit pretty seamlessly here at iowa state in terms of on the field really solid back i think we probably have him rated pretty well maybe should be a little bit higher because he was starting to see some more power five interest you mentioned the size ken he's very strong a determined runner, I would say, you know, tends to hit the hole pretty hard, solid speed, and just a complete back is really what I would look at him as. I can absolutely see him being a starter at the Big 12 level. And just a player like that, that at this point in the cycle, if they're thinking that highly of the Cyclones, really good addition here at the running back position and overall a strong official visit weekend for ISU. So with that, the questions are, there's a couple other big-time running backs that they're after. Has anything changed in that equation? Do we read anything more into his commitment to Iowa State? 
Yeah, so with that trend, you know, Xavier Robinson is a name mm-hmm. we've we've spoken about and kind of from what I've gathered here in the last week to week and a half, Iowa State was in an incredible spot, I would say, going into the visit and, and they did a great job and there was a lot of buzz there, but this relationship he's had kind of with the Oklahoma Sooners has been off and on a little bit. Obviously an Oklahoma kid. It sounds like they turned up the pressure a little bit while he was on their official last week. And I would say things are trending toward Oklahoma a little bit there. I haven't heard, you know, a ton in terms of communications with ISU over the last week. Though that will be a name that I'll still follow a little bit as we get into the fall, just because that recruitment has legitimately gone back and forth at least four or five times. In terms of Dylan Lee, he will be a cyclone. I just spoke with him today. And he's very excited for his role, what he saw in Ames, and the potential future that he has playing Big 12 football. Hmm. I, I want to go to to basketball with you, Nick. And uh, recall, within the last was the last week, a couple of weeks ago, you were in Colorado Springs. Uh, Omaha Baloo was there. He's a name that I hate to say he's really um, starting to catch fire because we <laughs> we know what he is here. But seemingly, I, I mean, I saw Fraschilla called him a one and doneer over the weekend. Wow. Is he a one-and-donner in your mind, Nick? You know, Ken, it's a really good question. I feel like, and I know another another show on this station likes to mess with me a little bit as well. I've gotten to see Omaha so many times, and I think that that's always been kind of this outside view potential of, of him being a one-and-done guy. Now that I've gotten to see, I think, 11, 12 games in person, seeing this camp, four- or five-star competition, Guys, if he continues to develop and put in the time, which I know he will, he absolutely has the potential to not only be a one-and-done guy, but a legitimate first-round to top-half-of-the-lottery uh, type player. I mean, he's just the completeness of his game is truly stunning. Uh, what he's added to his jump shot, his creation, his playmaking over the course of this last year, it's really remarkable. I think it's a testament to his work ethic, and I would say as of right now, Ken, Priscilla would absolutely be spot on with what I've seen from Omaha Blue. You look at next year, you had an opportunity not just to see Omaha, who I think most people anticipate is going to be a starter, but another incoming freshman with Momsilovich and also Pavelski, the transfer from Wofford out at the Team USA event. What kind of minutes are we looking at? It Just ballpark what you think we're going to see from both, both Jackson Pavelski and Momsilovich uh, coming up this year, minutes-wise, in their first campaign with the Clones. Yeah, I think it'll be... You know, pretty similar for both of them in terms of prominent roles within the top six or seven players in the rotation. I think that's, you know, comfortable based on who is coming back for Iowa State, how I anticipate the team wants to run with maybe a little bit of a a smaller team potentially and more talent and kind of that wing stretch four positions with guys like Omaha, Milan. You could play Trey King at the five. Obviously, multiple guard additions. Then you think about Kashawn Gilbert and Taman Lipsy to kind of make up that top seven or eight with Curtis Jones and Robert Jones. I would say significant minutes. I don't think there's a way to fit, you know, obviously all the guys we've talked about within that top five. But those are two players, especially Trent. Milan can shoot the cover off the ball. One of the best shooters I saw out in Colorado. And Pavelski's game is very complete, especially offensively. So those are names certainly you should follow. And I will say Momchilovich, he'll be in Ames for probably multiple years, but he absolutely has the skill set to get to the league as well. 
Uh, very interesting. Nick, I want to go back to football with you. The, the twin offensive linemen, uh, that you, uh, from California, usually over, over the, um, I don't know if history would reflect this, but one of the twins is really good, but in order to get him, we got to take his twin brother. Um, and I'm not asking which one's better necessarily, but are these, if they, if they weren't twins, would both of them have the offer, Nick? Honestly, I would say so, Ken. I, I think there is one player that is a little bit better uh, than the other. But, yeah, I don't really have a doubt in my mind that if Iowa State was looking to dive into this area, which they are a little bit with Ryan Clanton, you know, kind of hailing from out west in California, both of these guys are Big 12 talents. I think what, what's especially unique here, Ken, is one can really focus a little more on the interior where the other – likely projects as a tackle, but really can play two or three spots along the line. So I would say, you know, I, I smiled. You're right that one player probably a little better. We've got one highly uh, more highly rated than the other. I think both would have the offers, and based on my conversations with them, Iowa State sits in a pretty solid spot as they get a little bit closer to decision time. Speaking of those conversations, so how does it work? Did you call each individually? Did you get one yeah, on the horn? Question. And then, hey, can you hand the phone off to your brother? How did that work for you? Something you probably don't <laughs> deal with very often. So normally, I would just kind of do the uh, the conversations with the guys in back-to-back days. They just got the offers this spring. Uh, but this time, based on wanting to get it out quickly, and I know their travel schedules have been crazy coming all the way from California, we actually just kind of did it simultaneously, and, you know, I just kind of asked similar questions to each player, and obviously, as you can tell, they're very close and enjoy this kind of thing, so it, it worked out for all of us, Trent. <laughs> uh, in our final uh, 30 seconds here, what's coming up this week, CycloneAlert.com, that you'd like to promote, Nick? Yeah, so I would just say, uh, you know, continue to follow what we've kind of been hitting on with these official visits, Ken. I, I really appreciate that. There should be some more good news uh, coming for Cyclone fans here in the next week to week and a half from what I've gathered and speaking with some of these players being really impressed. And then I'll continue to hit on some more basketball recruiting as the weekends as well. Any bad news coming that uh, pursuant of that gambling investigation? Any idea when uh, we're going to, there's going to be a little clarity? So that, there was a date thrown around, but not necessarily affiliated with the program. So I don't fully trust it, but... Now I'm kind of hearing that end of June type date. I know we had both heard early on, Ken. Mm -hmm. Early June was the expectation. I'm just under the impression that this thing is not very clear to a lot of people kind of checking in. And so that's kind of why I I haven't touched it a lot. That's actually the main reason. But we figure it has to be dealt with soon. I mean, we're just three weeks away from Big 12 Media Day. CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sport. Nick Oson covers Iowa State. Nick, have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you next uh, Monday, if not before. Thank you, Nick Oson. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Hour 2, Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. Scott Docterman from The Athletic Miller and Condon to 1, 106.3 KXNO.